Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to The Other Identity. I am here, as always, your host, The Great Landis, and along with me, Ben Morris, a.k.a. Professor Awesome. Ben, how's it going, man? I'll be honest with you, Robbie. I've got a little bit of a cold, and I hate when I have a cold here in Las Vegas because I feel very betrayed. Betrayed by the fact that it's not cold here. I live in the desert, so I should never get sick. I thought I left this when I left the East Coast, but here we are. If my voice sounds a little scratchy, I apologize, listeners. Yeah, that sucks. We, we've actually been dealing with a little bit of a, a winter snowstorm over here, but so far, knock on wood, I have no, no wood to knock on. Uh, I'm fine, but I I'll actually be going this weekend out to Texas, so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, So we have a good show here for you today, guys. It's actually something that I've been wanting to talk about and jump into for a while, but uh, hasn't properly presented itself. But today, we are going to dive into the world of comic book crossovers. So before we really begin and start, for anyone who might be new to the world of comics, or maybe has just started here with The Other Identity, Ben, can you give him a little bit, uh, or I'm sorry, Professor Awesome, could you give him a little bit of crossover 101? Happy to. So basically the idea is when comics were created, they were created in a void. Uh, no, but Superman came out. The minute Batman showed up, everyone wanted to see Superman and Batman interact. When Marvel released Captain America and Namor, we couldn't wait to see them clash. Later, when the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man were both living in New York, we wanted to see them come together. So the idea of these little crossover stories is something that's always been ingrained in comics. The idea that your favorite character from one book can meet the other. But somewhere around the 80s, it started getting even bigger with Secret Wars, with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Suddenly, it wasn't just one or two heroes teaming up. It was whole universes. Brings us to today, where we have regular crossover events that involve all of the Marvel Universe, all of the DC Universe, threats that can realistically stand up to dozens of heroes, and stories that spill out into dozens and dozens of comics. That's right. I mean, the MCU is literally just one giant crossover event. Uh, so what I think I want to start with here is, uh, you know, before we get into the meat of the discussion here, and, and I think what we're reading, that's what we're going to talk about, a little bit of the, the crossovers that we're currently into, will lead us into sort of the big discussion that I've wanted to have for, have for a while. So, Ben, I want to start with you because I know that you just finished for like the umpteenth time Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I think for most people who have sort of been in the comic space for a while, I feel like that... that for DC, that's probably like the crossover, whereas for Marvel, it's probably the Infinity War. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths is my favorite crossover event of all time. I will get into why it's not for everybody in a second, but as a quick bit of background, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths came about in 1985 when Marv Wolfman and George Perez, the creative team behind the highly successful New Teen Titans, were brought in to streamline the DC multiverse. So basically, from the 60s or 50s right up until the 80s there was lots of different worlds where different heroes lived in the DC universe you had Earth 2 where the Justice Society and all the older heroes from World War 2 lived you had Earth 1 where the heroes we knew lived and others from there DC wanted to turn it into one universe so they had Wolfman and Perez create this big epic story involving not only every hero from every earth but the Western characters, the romance characters, the war characters, all fighting against one singular menace, the Anti-Monitor. And it was, to this day, probably the most epic in scope uh, crossover of all time. You could argue something like Marvel's more recent Secret Wars was also pretty big, as it was also telling a multiversal story. But I don't think anything quite reaches Crisis on Infinite Earths just in terms of what they were going for in terms of scope. 
Yeah, see, I, I actually started to read Crisis uh, a few months ago, and, and I think I got maybe a third of the way through it, but I'm going to be honest with you. If I were to have to draw a comparison to this in something from uh, a, you know, more classic art of some sort, I, I definitely think that Crisis on if Infinite Earths is like the Huckleberry Finn of comics, right? It's like that real classical thing where, where everyone should probably read it, but I really had trouble getting through it, you know? Uh, uh, first of all, the, the art's a little bit dated. I know you have here in the notes that the art holds up. Uh, the art absolutely but, uh, holds I up. Will, I, <laughs> we I will disagree on that. I will go but, toe-to-toe with you on a bunch of issues with this, Robbie. <laughs> but the art of George Perez is not to be questioned. It is great. It is all-time great. It holds up completely. You're insane. Okay. Yes, sir. Sure, sir. Thank you. Uh, but I think the, the, the problem that I had with it is there's a lot of recycling of it, right? Like, I feel like... The, the amount of times where all the heroes are in a room, you know, questioning, questioning the monitor, being like, should we trust him? Well, I don't trust him. Well, I'm going to trust him. And then they go do something. Then it comes back, and it, it's, it's all that over again. And I realized that the, the idea was to bring everyone together to then sort of, you know, streamline and condense it. But there was just so much going on that it was difficult for me to really latch on to any moments or characters for, for, for long enough to really get attached because then it was moving on to something else, you know? It, it, it's definitely, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop when it comes to crossovers, but I do think that in this case it may have worked against it a little more, at least in terms of if you're trying to come in and start here for the first time. If you have attachment to a bunch of these characters, you know, if you were, you know, running around back in the 80s and, and you know, reading all these comics and they all came together, I could definitely see that being a big deal. But going back now and trying to read through it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's daunting. It's a fair criticism. Uh, it's definitely of its time. Uh, I love it because I'm the type of comic book fan who, and I've said this on the show to you before, is I like to dive into things that are way, like basically jump in the deep end. Um, I like to be overwhelmed by the amount of characters and plots that I am seeing in front of me because to me, that's an excuse to go back and read other comics. But as far as your criticism of it recycles uh plot points that's absolutely true and i would point to the fact that i'm not trying to give it a pass but think of it this way we're looking at it through the lens of a modern reader and crossovers at this point have been kind of refined over the course of decades to be much different than they were this was really the first time something like this was being attempted um other than secret wars this was the first time this many characters are being brought onto one page so to their credit i think you know they were working out some of the storytelling kinks they were much in the same way you're you're a broadcasting guy robbie you understand that you know when you come back from a commercial break you have to kind of restate what you're doing i think that's what they were doing with this story if someone's coming in on the third issue they want to make sure that they are welcome by hey we don't trust the monitor and they're restating a little bit and you see that from a lot of comics in the 80s and some people can't stand it some people claim that's the best way to do comics every comic should be somebody's first issue so you have to kind of lay things out every time but it's a matter of taste um and i'm not going to say you have bad taste you just have different taste <laughs> yeah well and, and and that's all fair too that that that's definitely hard to argue with uh myself currently and and you know we, we'll get into a few of the other ones uh, a little bit later on when we talk about some of the best and worst crossovers sort of to start with uh but currently i actually just finished up uh civil war for the first time and uh there was really just i mean i mean overall it was a great i think it's a good starting place for a lot of people as well uh you know trying to get into more modern crossovers but it did have 
there was a few instances where the issues that I have with crossovers started to shine through a little bit. And the first one is with Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man proved to be a very integral part in Civil War because at first he was on Iron Man's side, he revealed his identity to the world, and then realizing that that was maybe not the best idea, he swapped over to Cap's side. And that, that swap, that betrayal, should have felt heavier to me reading the you know just what's presented in the Civil War crossover uh, but it didn't because all we see of Spider-Man when you read the actual just the trade paperback itself not all of the ancillary stuff that sort of happens beside it that's you know going on in all the other ones you see Spider-Man shows up and you know basically gives his opinion on this uh, 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 act that's being passed that's going to you know reform superheroes and basically bring them all under the government and you're not really sure how he feels about it, and then the next thing you know, he's just on Tony's side, talking about how he's talked to his family, you know, a lot of thought went into this, and you know, blah, 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 blah. But if you're not reading Spider-Man Civil War, you don't get any of that, so it's kind of lost a little bit, and it creates this feeling of, at least when I start a crossover, I'm wondering just how much more context I'm missing out by also not going through and reading all of sort of the side stuff that's also branded into the Civil War. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I think that, you know, Civil War was a highly ambitious crossover. Uh, It involved a lot of different characters, and you didn't necessarily get the full view if you weren't reading all the comics. Um, My biggest issue with Civil War in the main Civil War series, and how far along are you in the main Civil War series? Uh, I finished it. Okay, so you're done. So the big thing to me was it's clear that Iron Man and Captain America are our big characters, right? Spider-Man has a big role as well. Where I tend to prefer my crossover events, and I think we might differ on this, is I love when the cast is so expansive that everyone kind of has their own voice. Uh, So, you know, you get dozens and dozens of different viewpoints. What always bugged me about Civil War was I felt like you had Cap, you had Iron Man, you had Spider-Man, then you had a bunch of background characters. And Mm -hmm. the way they solved that, looping back around to your point, I think is that they had all these books going on separately where if I wanted to find out what the Fantastic Four thought, if I wanted to find out what um, Miss Marvel was getting up to, I could read the tie-in books. But that main book was very streamlined. It was very focused on Cap and Iron Man. And the challenge there is if you're going to do something like that, you have to make the main crossover book accessible to everybody. And you have to make it so they don't do what I feel like they did to you, where you feel like you're not getting the full story unless you read every tie-in. Yes. No, that's definitely the biggest issue that I have with crossovers is... I feel like if I'm reading the crossover, it shouldn't make me feel like I'm missing out on something outside of the pages. Now, on the reverse side of that, uh, something that I ran into on War of Realms is... is And, and actually, I started with uh, Kelly Thompson's uh, Captain Marvel. Just started getting into that, read through the first five issues, absolutely loved it. And then when I opened up for issue six, she's suddenly in Rio de Janeiro, the Enchantress's City of the Undead... And I had kind of followed through the headlines what War of the Realms was. So I knew what had happened. But again, if you're just trying to read through Captain Marvel, 
suddenly you're thrown for a complete loop because you have no idea what's going on here. And that's going to be one of the big issues of crossovers, in my opinion. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. We're going to throw to a break really quick. Make sure that if you haven't already, you're following us on social media so that you can interact with us. We talk about comics all week long. That's at Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find me at Robbie underscore Landis CP on Twitter and Ben J. Morris as well. We'll be right back. And I'm Michaela, And we are from the Theme Park and Rec Podcast. So if you visit the parks often, or maybe you're planning a trip to any of the Central Florida theme parks, we even talk about Disneyland too, you definitely want to check out our podcast because we have tips, we have secrets, and we give you options on how to really maximize your time at the parks. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to The Other Identity. Thank you for downloading and sticking with us today. We're talking all about crossovers. And I just alluded uh, a moment ago to the probably the biggest issue that I have with crossovers. Uh, and that's something that I ran into when reading Kelly Thompson's Captain Marvel and going into War of the Realms. It's one thing when you read a crossover, you know, when you know I'm about to get into Civil War and it kind of alludes to other stuff that's happening, you know, over on the periphery. And if you want all the context, you have to try and, like, track stuff down, right? But I think where it gets even more egregious for me is when you're trying to read through the mainline series of something and it puts you in a position where you feel like you have to go and read something else. Like, you have no choice. I've always been of the mind that, first of all, crossover events are great, and if they involve everyone, I think it would be better if they existed sort of in a space between to where it doesn't feel like if you don't go and read that crossover that you're not at a disadvantage, right? And I've actually started reading War of the Realms now, which I love, by the way. It's actually, so far, there's very little in it uh, that normally I would have uh, problems with crossovers, right? There's not a whole lot of stuff where I feel like I'm missing any context. The characters that come in, you know, it doesn't, I don't feel like I need to know where they're coming from. And and so far, Captain Marvel has had a very small role in it as well. Um, But because Captain Marvel number six literally took place during War of the Realms, I need to know what sort of led up to this point. So, I don't know, Ben, what's what's your sort of opinion on the way that crossovers also tie into sort of the mainline uh, uh, series of single stars? It's an interesting problem that I think is more to do with modern comics and the way that they are structured than anything else. Like, comics became big business at some point, right? So if Mm -hmm. you've got a hugely successful crossover event, a couple of things are going to happen. If you've got these side titles, their writers are going to want to get involved in the event because it's going to give their book a higher profile. It's going to attract more readers. So the problem you're having where you're reading Captain Marvel and all of a sudden there's all this War of the Realms stuff, it's also directed at people who weren't reading Captain Marvel, who maybe read War of the Realms, see Captain Marvel has a War of the Realms tie-in, and then try Captain Marvel, right? 
So that's but kind couldn't of- it possibly work out the other way as well, where someone reading Captain Marvel suddenly feels like, well, now I have to go out and buy all the issues for War of the Realms and potentially could end up putting it down as a result? Oh, absolutely. I think that's the danger. That's the tightrope these guys are walking. They want to get more exposure for their books, but at the same time, they want to make their books kind of appealing and self-contained. I remember, I remember a really good example of how to do this was during Secret Invasion, which was a book about, you know, the Skrulls invading Earth. Jason Aaron, who wrote War of the Realms, wrote a Black Panther tie-in where it was basically the Skrulls come to infiltrate Wakanda, Black Panther and his allies fight them off, and within the course of, like, three issues, it's all done. Great writing, great art, and all you needed to understand was the Skrulls are invading Earth. You did not need to go and read Secret Invasion. And that's where I think you get the successful examples of how these work. If the tie-in to War of the Realms, all you need to understand is enough that can be recapped on the first page that says, you know, the the Dark Elves are invading Earth. Here's a story about that. Then great. I think that self-contained thing works. But what you're describing where it's saying, oh, man, I don't feel like I can appreciate this entire story unless I know exactly what's going on in the War of the Realms series. To me, that is, I don't want to lay it on the feet of the writer or the editor, but to me, you're not serving your audience then. You are mm. only trying to appeal to a wider audience, and you got to remember the people who got you to the dance. Yeah, you know, the most, probably the most egregious attempt at this crossover that, that, that I've ever seen actually came through DC. And this, um, I, I don't remember the story arc exactly. It was in Rebirth, though. The entire Bat family was in Gotham trying to fight off some threat. Remember the end of it culminating with four towers in Gotham basically being like some sort of Voltron type unit? Is is this ringing any bells? I know what you're talking about. Um, I didn't read that. I wasn't reading Batman at the time, but okay. that's a Here's familiar the, trope, man. Here's the problem, though. It's it's not the trope that, that, that I had any problem with. This is the issue that I had. In order to get that full arc, it went from Batman to Detective Comics to Batwoman to Nightwing to Batgirl and then back to Batman. So you had to read them all in that order to understand what was going on. And it wasn't even a matter of, well, if I don't read these, then I'll miss a little bit of context. If you went from Batman, you know, X to to whatever the next, to Batman Y, you missed out on like five issues of that story. You know, there's there's another fan of ours that actually came to me about, he's reading through Ultimate Spider-Man after listening to our episode that finally got him to look into it. And, you know, he's like, I'm reading this one article where Spider-Man's now broken up with MJ and Black Cat's flirting with him. And then in the very next article, like, something else is happening. And then in the next issue, he's daydreaming about Kitty Pride, And he's like, where did Kitty Pride come from? Should I also be reading X-Men at this moment? And, well, yeah, if you want to get literally all of it, you should. But there is definitely, you know, crossover events are the best thing about comics, but they can also sometimes just be the worst thing as well. I think because I grew up reading uh, 90s X-Men books where every story went through like four or five different X-Men books, I'm just conditioned to be okay with this. Um, (laughs) But if you're coming up in a different era and that's not what you were raised on, I can absolutely understand the frustration. And I think you nailed it. Crossovers are both the best and worst things about comics. If you are someone who likes to be a little overwhelmed like myself and throw yourself into dozens and dozens of comics, 
crossovers are for you. If you just want to read a self-contained story, I feel bad for that poor guy reading Ultimate Spider-Man because, yeah, stuff happened in X-Men, stuff happened in the Ultimate Spider-Man annual, and you're going to have to kind of widen your horizons. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Well, now, that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy crossovers because there are some crossovers that do it well, and I think there, there are some that are more known for, for being a bit more like this untamed ocean. And we're going to break everything down for you, let you know where the best places to start are so that that way you can dive into these crossovers and find out if this is for you or if you just want to stick with the heroes that knew, that you know and love. That'll be coming up next here in just a moment. Stay with us. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team. Or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. Welcome back, everyone. Robbie Landis here with uh, Ben Morris, of course, for The Other Identity. We're glad that you've stuck with us this far, and thank you for the download. If you haven't already, make sure you head on over and check out our website, CheckpointXP.com. Uh, if you didn't find us there to begin with, you can find all types of great content there, uh, from comics to Dungeons & Dragons to gaming and esports. We have a plethora of content, and it's all waiting just for you. All right, so talking about crossovers here today, and the next thing that I'd like to do, you know, we've talked about, you know, what we're reading, we've talked about some of the problems and strengths of crossovers. Let's talk about some of the best places to start with crossovers. You know, what are the ones that you can just dive right into without any prior knowledge, any other context, and enjoy? And I think for me, the most recent one that I was able to do that with, but not without its flaws, was House of M. Now, I don't want to do too many spoiler things, even though House of M is a little bit old at this point. But the idea here is that Scarlet Witch has rewritten reality uh, for one reason or another, and the heroes have to find a way to get things back to normal. What's great about this is, besides going into it and then going out of it, everything here feels so self-contained. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. You know, I don't feel like I'm I'm in the dark on anything at all. There's only two parts at the beginning and the end that sort of... Uh, irk me a little bit, and that's just sort of prior history. You know, there's a lot of talking about Hawkeye and what happened to him, which if you haven't been reading stuff up to this crossover, you have no idea what it is, but it doesn't play a huge role, and then it ends in a way where it's like, alright, this is the end, but it's not really the end, so make sure you go and read whatever is next. House of M is a classic crossover uh, at this point. It feels weird to say it because I think I was already working in comics when it came out. But um, yeah, at this point, it's vintage. But yeah, House of M is a great crossover where the story all mostly takes place between the two covers that you're reading. But you're right, Robbie. There is no crossover in the modern realm, I don't think, that does not pick up from something that already happened and that does not lead into something else. That's just the nature of comic book storytelling. This stuff never ends. It's ongoing. It's like... I mean, that that's true. But you, you want to know what actually probably does it the best? Like the one crossover that from front 
to back, I was okay with. Like, I had no questions. I knew where everything sat, and I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything at all. And that's Flashpoint. To me, that might be the best crossover ever written. Flashpoint is written by Jeff Johns, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, The art was by Andy Kubert, who is brilliant. But... I would take you to task on your idea that you don't need to read anything before or after Flashpoint due to the fact that Flashpoint is rooted in stuff that's been going on with Barry Allen, stuff that's been going on with his mother being killed, uh, the motivation behind that. And then if you read to the end of Flashpoint, it literally leads into an entire reboot of the DC universe. So I'm not going to argue. Exactly. No, but that's the beauty of it. So you want every crossover. New world. So you you have to know the fact that he went back and tried to change something. And of course, time travel does time travel stuff. But the story of Flashpoint and trying to basically, you know, get out of that world or, 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 or fix what's happening, the fact that it resets the DC universe, that's essentially an end right there, right? Flash saves, you know, th- this particular timeline or, or, or is able to, to, you know, find at least for, for, for what the story would be the happy ending, you know, the ending of it. That's the end of it. Of course you can still go on. Of course there's still repercussions and and more stuff comes from that. But the story and the arc itself is contained enough that that I, I mean, you know, if, if if you watch the uh, uh the Flashpoint uh animated movie, right, which is pretty dang true to the comics, uh almost panel for panel if I'm not mistaken, you know, you don't go away from that feeling like you're missing something or or asking what comes next. Asking the idea that every crossover event you read is going to hit the reset button. Think about oh, what you're no, asking for, Rob. Yeah, 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 but yeah. you I'm can't. I'm not trying to insinuate that. Well, it feels like you are insinuating that. It feels like you don't want to read stories that are part of this larger tapestry, this story that never ends. You want it to have Quite a clear beginning, a middle, a clear beginning, and an end. And to me, that's. That's not what I come to comics for. I come to comics for not a five-issue experience. I want to be immersed in an entire universe. And look at the MCU. I mean, you could say that Endgame, of course, brought a a concluding point to one half of the story. But Spider-Man Far From Home picked up on threads from Endgame. It's always going to... The past is always going to inform the future. And to me, that's what great... It's great about comics. I don't want every time I'm done, there's a pat ending and then the next issue I pick up, well, we're starting over completely. I want things to have repercussions. And I love reading stories that are going to affect other stories down the line. Look at Jeff Johns's Green Lantern story, which played out over the course of almost a decade and several crossover events. Every time one crossover event ended, you got that satisfying, okay, they beat the bad guy moment, but you would get some sort of tease. That, but wait, it's not done. There's more coming next year. And I, I love that. I started with the Marvel Universe, or I'm sorry, the Ultimate Universe here, Ben, okay? I am well aware of the way that things interconnect and weave together. When I opened up that issue of Ultimatum and Spider-Man was suddenly in a flooded New York City, like, that's when I realized, like, okay, I've missed something, right? That was my big awakening issue. So, yes, obviously I know the magic of crossovers, but when it comes to the best place for, like, newcomers to start, I think starting them off with a crossover that doesn't make them ask a lot of those questions or need a lot of that, that context and then let it build up, something like House of M or Flashpoint or even Civil War are good places. And you're right, not every crossover is going to be that way, you know? I, I, I can't wait to see what the repercussions are from War of the Realms considering the fact that, like, I don't know, New York should probably be, or Manhattan should probably be wiped off the map after that first issue. 
But I do think that there's also a happy medium that they can try to find so that that way, you know, whether you're just getting, mostly I think probably for newcomers, if you're just starting to get into something, you don't get dissuaded from continuing or jumping into a new property because it feels like it's too deep. I don't want to dissuade anyone from starting to read comics, and I'm, I'm with you on that. There needs to be crossovers that are designed to be new reader friendly. I would even point to something like Infinity Gauntlet or Infinity War, which were wrapped up in Marvel Cosmic characters, but Jim Starlin, who wrote those, did a great job letting you know exactly who the players were, and by the end of the story, there was a satisfying conclusion. So I don't think we're going to align fully on this. That's fine. We can agree to disagree. But I think we're agreed that we want crossovers that welcome new readers into the space. But we also want those crossovers that reward the readers who have been following this for years and years. I want a story that's going to pay off the decades-long history that I've been trying to follow. I think we can both win on this one. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, you know, taking my my Captain Marvel uh, uh, instance, you know, for example, you know, I think that the way that they sort of do these offshoots where, you know, you had mentioned the uh, Black Panther one during Secret Wars, right? Instead of taking... Yeah, sorry, Secret Invasion. Instead of taking, uh, you know, Captain Marvel and basically being like, issue six is taking place right smack dab in the middle of War of Realms, you know, I would have been more inclined to follow along and then jump into War of the Realms without feeling like I was forced to if Captain Marvel had sort of just like an offshoot miniseries, you know, Captain Marvel's War of the Realms. You know, sim- similar to what they did actually with the Aftermath of Civil War and Captain America's death, they had the Fallen Sun series, which follows uh, a bunch of different heroes through the after effects of uh, Captain America's death. Yeah, and again, I think that's a good solution. I know from having worked in the space, having those tied off limited series is sometimes considered kind of a <laughs> a peace offering to the fan who doesn't want to have their story <laughs> interrupted. But you have yeah. to look at the other side is that there might be a writer who wants the events to take place in their main book because they want to gain, like I said before, bringing it full circle, they want to gain the readers from War of the Realms. They want people from War of the Realms to feel like they also have to read Captain Marvel. Of course, as you described, that can backfire, but I understand the motivation. All right. Well, let's uh, end here. I, I, you know, I mentioned a few of the what I thought was the best crossovers for people to start with. You know, What are a few, besides Crisis on Infinite Earths, what are some of your favorite crossovers that fans can check out? I love anything X-Men from the 1980s. I think even though it's part of a bigger story, I think even you would enjoy these, Robbie, because they do kind of have the X-Men taking on one foe or a number of foes, and there is some sort of conclusive battle. So whether it's Mutant Massacre Inferno, uh, my all-time favorite from when I was a kid, Executioner's Song. As long as you are prepared, as I know me and our, our friend Norris are, to wade into the uh, the labyrinth that is X-Men and the thousands of characters seeming, um, those can always be a good, fun time. And I would also say the recent Secret Wars, which I alluded to, uh, the Jonathan Hickman Secret Wars, is a whole lot of fun. It's the conclusion of the story he's telling throughout his Avengers run. But again, it's just a good time because it's any story from any Marvel era kind of colliding in this big, giant, meshed up world. And it's a good time. All right. Well, guys, as always, we'd love to know what you think. Share with us on social media, Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, Robbie underscore Landis CP and Ben J. Morris. We'd love to know what crossovers you guys prefer to read or do you have problems with uh, the constant sort of uh, missing context like I sometimes do? Let us know, guys. That's going to be it for us today here at The Other Identity. So until next time, uh, we'll be seeing you. But make sure that you tune in. Same identity channel, same identity time. That's a hell, of, that? a, that's a hell of an ending. 
Yeah, I think it's the best one we've had so far, but I think we can still work with it. 